Thompson. On the show today, we're chatting with the fabulous Vanessa Williams from realestate.co.nz as we unpack all the data. Welcome to Property Matters. Welcome to another Monday. Welcome to Property Matters. Great to have you tuned in, whether you're listening to us live or you've downloaded one of our podcasts. It's great to have you with us. Remember, you can download all our podcasts on Spotify, check out some past episodes and have a good old listen. Now, I'm absolutely delighted today to welcome a very special guest into the studio. A big welcome to Vanessa Williams, who is the GM of Marketing and Media at realestate.co.nz. Welcome to the show. Oh, kia ora, Stephen. Hey, thank you so much for having me here today. Well, I kind of feel like I've got the guru of um, presenting and talking in the studio, so I, I'm feeling a little under the radar today, so it's great to have you here. If anything goes wrong, I can just hand you the mic and it's all yours. Yeah, well, we can make it happen, right? I can do some rapping, I can do some singing, let's Brilliant. just see where this goes. Oh, that never tempt me with that. That could go really dangerous. Now, look, it's great to have you here. Tell me a little bit about you, first of all. And your own career journey that led up to this role at realestate.co.nz? Yeah, I think I was one of those probably lucky humans that I knew from the day I walked into my marketing class in what was called seventh form back then. Some people might know it as year 13. I still get in trouble by my 18-year-old for calling it seventh form. Yes. Um, I was very blessed to walk into that class and go, this is me. I love this. Crayons everywhere. Let's get it done. Let's sell some stuff to some people. And so um, I was very lucky that... I decided from an early age that I would study marketing. I went to the University of Waikato to to do my studies. Have had numerous roles across some brands people might know as Vodafone, which is now One, um, Canon, and um, Prudential Health, which is actually in the UK, um, which is actually where I got my love of data, which I'm sure we'll talk about a little mm. bit later. But I've actually been very lucky to always have a passion and a love for marketing and a passion and a love for sales. So when I kind of found the role in which was a marketing job selling property, I was like, wow, and I've you know a little bit of a sneaky passion for property as well. <laughs> so I found like it was my perfect job. Is there many people out in the in, in any industry that has that marketing and data sort of mixed together, or is this a little bit unique? I think that it's becoming more and more common as data becomes available. So when I studied, there was no such thing as social media, and you didn't mm. measure anything <laughs> apart from a few television ratings and perhaps some radio ratings. And there was very few channels to take a brand to market, or there was very few ways that consumers would consume advertising so it was actually right. kind of quite simple back then it was you'd sort of did a television ad you might have done a radio ad and there was probably some print involved but since the formation of the internet and then data and then digital and then social and you know and now podcasts mm. and you know streaming services it's just phenomenal that we can sort of consume content as consumers in the way that we want to and how we want to and so as marketers we've got to sharpen our pencil sharpen our skills understand what people want to see where and make sure that we're talking with the right message in the right medium so yeah yeah i remember i mean one of my first jobs ever was selling advertising for the yellow pages oh, yes. and trying to describe that to my teenagers now <laughs> like the what 
the one. And then it was um, doing marketing for theatre and actually printing off and folding thousands upon thousands into envelopes and sealing them and stamps. Yeah, gone are those days, mm-hmm. eh? So tell us a little bit about your role you have now and what does it entail for realestate.co.nz? So actually we're a couple of hats at Real Estate. Um, as a bit of background, I have been with realestate.co.nz for just over eight years now and my role has evolved quite a lot since then. Um, we, when originally started, we had sort of 16 people and we're sort of well over 60 people now at Real Estate and that evolution has been growth of the business um, and which has meant my role. I've had the privilege of my role growing as well. So um, previously I've looked after such departments as marketing and media and customer service and sales and now I've really sort of focused in on the marketing and media side. So what that means is that I get to um, help craft all of the communications that come out from our business. So that might right. be everything from a television ad to a press release to a radio ad to emails that might end up in real estate agents' inbox or lovely consumers of our website's inbox. But on the other side, I also work with our media clients. So that might be the likes of Tower Insurance or AA Insurance or Kiwi Bank or Westpac that are actually looking to push their services and their brands in front of Kiwis who are looking to purchase property. So I sort of wear a bit of two hats, mm. but I, I, as a sales-led marketer, I really enjoy the marketing side and making sure we're selling at the same time. In, in these days where your inbox is so full of things mm. coming through, how hard is it to keep creating some new content that sort of will excite and engage and visually, I mean, your emails do visually engage you <laughs> as someone you. who opens it. So what are you doing to make that happen? I think what's really important is about understanding who you're communicating with and what do they want to see. Because I think that we quite often can get caught up in wanting to tell people what we want to tell them as opposed to taking a step back and go, what does this particular segment, group, customer um, area, Mm. what do they actually want to hear from us? What is helpful for them? What do they need in terms of their property journey? So we quite often, if we look at it, if I break it down just very crudely into there's first home buyers, there's subsequent home buyers, and then there is investors, just very crudely. First home buyers need a lot of support. They need help. They need guidance. They almost need over communication with some of those pieces where a subsequent home buyer, hey, I've done this before. I kind of know the ropes. I want you to get me what I want when I want it. Whereas first home buyers don't necessarily know what they want. Mm. And then you've got our investors who have certainly done it before. And so we're more like just this you know the sort of side piece for them of going hey you tell us when you need us and we'll be here so if you think about those different personas it's about taking what we've got and making sure that we're supporting those three different groups as i said there's probably a few mm. more than that but just to help them with what they need from us I suddenly thought of something you were saying then, which is a little off topic, but it follows on. So last week we had Matt Billington from Agency X and we were talking about the importance of social media in the space and how to sort of adjust your marketing. And we talked about companies using AI technology Mm. now, especially to proof what's going out or to tweak or change. Have you had to adopt into that space yet? We're actually saying just to play with it. I think there's a lot of businesses out there who are kind of like, goodness, where do I start? Mm. So I've totally recognised 
recognise that. But I think it's like it's like anything. I, re- I remember coming into business when internet started to come and everyone's like, mm. ooh, what is internet? How is yeah, this yeah, going to yeah, work? Yeah. Yeah, I'm probably showing my age Google now. Google will never take off. Yeah. Never. <laughs> I mean, what is this weird thing? They're going to put an MP3 player with a phone? That'll never take off. Um, but uh, but I think that the reality of it is is that AI is, sorry, AI is coming. Mm. Um, it's about looking at ways in which it can help your business but most importantly, help your consumers. Like, what is it that consumers are wanting from you? What are they asking? What data sets do they want to marry up or match? And how can you help? How can AI help you to achieve those consumer challenges that you have got? So we are probably just testing it out at the moment. We're not too sure how it's going to work for our business or sort of where it will be, but certainly we're just sort of looking at it at this page and, and just having a play. And I think that's sort of where the fun is at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. Oh, it'll be interesting to get you back in a year or two and see how much it's... It, is playing a part in it. Oh, there's an AI Vanessa that comes yeah, in yeah, and chats to you. Oh dear, we're all replaced. So what is it about property that excites you? Oh, so I have always had a passion for property. I think probably, again, showing my age, but it was very much drilled into us that, you know, you you go to school and then you get a job or you go to university and then you buy a house. Like, mm. that's just what you do. That's what everybody did and that's what we were kind of set up for. I, but I will say to people out there, I still remember my mother's like, I'm so worried for the future generation. You're never going to be able to afford a house. I know I think the same for my children. I'm like, it's okay. I've got a house. So potentially they'll sort it out as well. Yeah. But I think that I had a passion from quite a young age and I can still remember that excitement that, that ran through my my veins the day that I got given handed the keys and I just thought I can see now why Kiwis have such a passion for property. Mm. I have got a little slice of paradise that is mine. And so <laughs> I with that um, sort of love and that real... Uh, I said passion sort of ran through my veins. I just wanted everyone in New Zealand to be able to to have that, to have that feeling. And so I feel really privileged that I can encourage, chat, talk about property, um, make it perhaps more obtainable for people. You know, I think the more we talk about it, the more we understand it, the more we understand the pros and cons and how we can do it. And, and you know, Kiwis, we're very innovative in the yeah. way in which we get into property. And I think it's fabulous that, um, you know, the likes of Kiwi Bank have come out recently allowing friends to get together to get mortgages, yeah. you know, and talking about, you know, pe- young people not being able to get into homes. So how can we help mm. them get into homes? Mm. And I think probably that's where that passion stemmed from me feeling that feeling and going you know what I want everybody to be able to feel this Mm. I'd love to talk to someone actually who's done that because this you know I I think that is definitely the way in Auckland in Mm. particular Um, but there's some pitfalls too I'm really curious to see how that man you've got to know and trust that person Uh, yeah absolutely I've actually I had a staff member about not with a specific um, Kiwi Bank version but he went into a house with four of his mates oh wow um, so purchased a home about an hour north of Auckland and he is now, I'd say about four or five years in, mm-hmm. super happy that he oh, did it because so he cool. wasn't able to get in by himself. Yeah, yeah brilliant, love mm. it. Now you're very well known as a leader in market data, so how do you gather all the data for the reports that you present? So when um, our lovely real estate agents put or um, put listings onto our site, there are a few elements that they have to add in order to be able to make sure that our website works. So as an example, whether a 
property has a price on it or not, we still collect the data of around what a real estate agent thinks that property is going to sort of sell for, which helps us to um, have search parameters. So that if you are looking for a house, then you do know that if you've got, let's just say, six hundred to 800000 that a house that was within those comes into your search. Now, we collect all of that data right across the motu, right across New Zealand, and we then average that out both nationally and right from our 19 regions right across New Zealand. So that helps us to understand what's happening with prices. Now, as a bit of a, there's sort of three types of prices you'll hear in the market. There's average asking price, which comes from a listing site like realestate.co.nz. We have sales data that typically comes from the Real Estate Institute of New Zealand, and that is if a vendor is asking a certain price, which is what they put on realestate.co.nz, but they negotiate with a buyer and a seller, and then they sell the property for a certain price, that gets recorded as a sales price. Right. So those are two different sort of specific numbers that are coming from both a vendor and then a sale price. And then the other one you might hear from a another type of provider like a core logic or velocity is a is a valuation. And that is what we it's sort of a computer generated number that takes into account a whole bunch of data points that sort of says this is what the values of that particular area or particular road or particular suburb or whatever they're talking about come from. So those are the sort of three different numbers you'll hear. Now, we collect average asking prices. We also collect new listings. Now, what that tells us is that that is the, a, a property to come onto the market during that month. So if, right. I look, if I look at, as an example, May, there was a certain number of properties that came onto the market in May. Now, we call those new listings because they've hit the market within a new time period. And the last sort of key piece of data we look at is total stock. Now, that is the total pool of homes available for buyers to peruse right across the country. And that sort of tells us how big is that full pool, no matter when it came onto the market, how big is that? And we sort of compare most of those numbers year on year to see what's happening with the trends. And that's sort of how we get our data. Wow. So... Speaking of data, mm-hmm. talk us through where things are currently sitting market-wise as we approach the end of June. That is a fantastic question, <laughs> and I actually feel really good sitting here talking <laughs> about that because it's been a bit of a roller coaster yeah. over the last couple of years. You'll yeah, know this, yeah, right, absolutely. Just to step back a little bit from right now, but we came into the pandemic. I feel like that's sort of a marker in all history around um, early 2020. And we came into the property market and the average asking price nationally sat around $700,000. Now, despite what the economist said, we're all going to plummet, the house prices are gone. Actually, the complete opposite happened and we saw effectively a 30% increase over a two-year period. So we went from 700000 in early 2020 to a million dollars in early 20, sorry, we're 700000 at 2020 and a million dollars in early 2022. So 30% increase in a couple of years. Now, unsustainable, Stephen. No one can keep up with that level of growth. And so what you would have seen in the news recently is that those property prices have continued to level back down. Now, that has sort of, you know, makes people a little bit nervous what's going to happen because up is sometimes just as scary as down. 
And what I will say is that this is the first set of trends. Now, I, I typically won't call it a trend unless I've seen three months' worth of data that is pretty consistent. But over the last three months, we have seen that average asking price stabilise at 866 Wow. So we're still a good 150, 160,000 ahead of when we came into the pandemic. So if you were to purchase in 2020, you're still uh, still ahead a significant amount of money. Um, perhaps if you bought at the peak, it could be a little nerve wracking if you needed to sell now. But that's that is a really small portion of the market. But what I will say is that that price leveling out has been yeah it's been an interesting one. We've had quite a few economic factors. Cost of living has um, been higher than expected. We've got OCR rates, which you know has made people a little bit nervous. But the Reserve Bank tells us that they're sort of at the peak. So hopefully. Hopefully that gives us a bit more stability. This price stability has really helped the market. And what have we seen as a shift just recently, and I'm talking the last couple of weeks, we have seen auction rates start to pick up again. That means people who are actually successfully selling right. auctions picked up and also open homes as well. Have you noticed sort of, oh, I guess, you know, with all that data, what's the volume shift in the amount of properties going on the market, say, in in the peak a couple of years ago versus now? Yeah, so that's actually dropped back quite considerably. So autumn has not been a pretty month, pretty season for yeah. um, the property market. We would, you know, typically see around ten to 12,000 homes come on the market during March, April and May, and that's really dropped back to sort of seven, 8,000 homes. Wow. So we've actually seen vendors um, going, mm, I'm not too sure if this is the right time for me. And look, can I blame them? Mm. It has been weather events, cost mm. of living, OCRs, you know, there's, there's been an element of nervousness. I was going to ask you, do you think the weather events play a big part in this as well? Certainly, yes, because either people will want to say, I need to sell as is, whereas because I don't have the capacity to be able to, if we've been been affected by weather, Mm. there's also people who are having to look elsewhere because perhaps their house is now uninhabitable or they are thinking, do you know what, I don't want to risk this in the future. What does that look like? Mm. Especially for some of our, you know, eastern bays around um, Gisborne and Hawke's Bay. You know, it's it's just really Mm. sad to see what sort of happened down there and amazing to see the communities come together. And, you know, I think it's it's beautiful what they have done down there. But, you know, really challenging for how do they move forward as a small town in New Zealand. But I think that, you know, with the fact of weather being unpredictable, we've got OCRs at 13 hikes in a row, pretty nerve-wracking for Kiwis out there. And we've also, um, we are coming into an election year. Yeah. So that does always have a play in the property market as well. Okay. So if we look now at our four main centres, what trends are you predicting for the second half? You've got the crystal ball here now. (laughs) Um, What trends are you predicting for Auckland, Wellington, Christchurch and Dunedin? Yeah, I think we've just started to see a bit of a a bit of a twist in the market. I will say that, um, especially with those, as I said, stability in prices, stability in OCR, and also the pickup of auction rates and people coming through open homes. That is a pretty typical sign that the market is shifting. Now, we're going to throw a big wallop in the middle of that of an election, aren't we? Yeah. So. It's been it's been very interesting because I do think that 
what happens when there's less properties on the market or vendors have chosen not to transact in this period? We do get pent-up supply. So there are people who have been thinking about selling who haven't actually pulled the trigger and got the property to market, but that is what we call pent-up supply, which is pretty common after you see a suppressed either demand or supply with the property market. Now, I would say that we're probably going to see a pretty healthy run into the election year. Election will stop the property market if it's like any other year. It does stop whilst we sort of see a lot of what the policies are coming out, how's this going to affect me, what um, is actually going to happen with the outcome. And, and despite the outcome, Stephen, it does not matter who gets in, we just carry on afterwards. So yeah. you know, yeah. that, that does happen. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think that that's going to put a pause on the market. And what we probably will see is typically that run into Christmas stops early December. I think we'll see that run right up into Christmas this year. Okay. Was there anywhere in the country that over the last little while, specifically the stats have surprised you with the mm. biggest sort of rise or drop mm. out of the out of the ordinary? Yeah, the, well, the really interesting one actually has been Queenstown Lakes okay. area. Yep. Uh, they're about the only region who have continued to see price increase, price increase, price mm. increase. It's been very phenomenal. They have sort of bucked the trend right across uh, any of the regions in New Zealand. I'm not entirely sure why. I mean, I think, you know, if you purchase a property down there, it is, you know, it's typically a bit more luxury. But we're, I mean, we're, and we're seeing so many stats out of Queenstown that is completely different. I mean, the property management side of things, you know, we've mm. got staff being put up in hotels and places in order to staff hospitality and things because there's nowhere for them to rent because they're all being used for Airbnbs mm. or private ownership. I mean, it's it's the major housing shortage for tenants in Queenstown. Yeah, actually, you're right. I was speaking to someone from Wanaka, actually, just this weekend, who said, you know, it's really challenging to head over the hill because, yeah, there's just not enough accommodation for mm. people who are wanting to service those, you're right, the hospitality industry and the like. And so, yeah, I, I can imagine that, actually, that's probably a really good point there, that the average asking prices continue to rise and, you know, people can only command prices if somebody is paying mm. for them. So, And there they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Interesting. Now, are the credit and finance conditions continuing to remain tight for buyers and I guess what impact that's having. Yeah, I think that any time you pop these economic factors into the mix, it does really challenge you know, typical Kiwis and especially when they're looking to transact property. The cost of living has certainly meant that not only are we feeling the pinch and the likes of the petrol pump, which I think, you know, fill up your cars before, yeah, we, get to, yeah, yeah, before yeah. we get to the end of this month. Um, we've also got the challenge around groceries, which are pretty, you know, everybody mm. sort of needs to eat. And then we've also seen with those OCR hikes, people's mortgages tripling in interest, up, you know, can up to triple in interest. So all of those factors have seen a very sort of serious consideration around what that does mean. What I will say is it has it did slow down those economic factors did slow down the property market off what was a very hot market come 2020 2021 and slightly into 2022 so there was needed something that needed to have changed um, but it's probably flipped it on its head you know quite the other way 
What will we see this year? It would be really nice to have confidence that the Reserve Bank are going to stick to their promise and keep the OCR so that there can be a little bit more stability and Kiwis understanding, fixing their mortgages, going, right, this is, I know what I'm paying. So I think that that will be helpful right across the board. Um, and, but, I mean, look, we need to sort of see where inflation nets out um, before we'll sort of see if that will ring true or not. But it would be really good if, if that sort of does happen. I think we could all sort of do a break from those OCR hikes. And um, and I think what's going to be fascinating is to see what comes out policy wise from the you know from the election campaigns, and how does that affect everyone from our first home buyers mm. to our subsequent home buyers and investors as well. I sort of I, I think there'll probably be a bit around the investment area this year if I was a betting lady. Mm, okay, good. Now you touched earlier on the dramatic numbers during COVID times. Mm. Why do you think it was that a pandemic? created such a frenzy and a shift? That is a great question. I keep asking. No one can really answer yeah, you. Yeah, I can understand why no one can answer you that, Stephen. <laughs> no, I mean, no one was expecting it, but man. Yeah. I, so if, again, this is just my perspective on it, Kiwis love two things, property and travel. And when you took one of them away from us, travel, Mm. and we couldn't sort of fly out and see, you know, we're we're typically a, although we've got a flightless bird, Mm -hmm. we are flyers typically. And, you know, we've got family overseas, we've got friends overseas, we love holidaying elsewhere because our climate's sort of pretty stock standard. You can't sort of head to one end of the country and get some sun and then, you know. I suppose you'd go to the beach and the snow in one day, couldn't you? But you know, it's it's if you if you're not getting sun in New Zealand, you're probably not going to get it. So we head over to the islands, etc. And when you actually suppress that and took that away from us for a good what was it, a year, eighteen months, you know, I think there was this concentrated focus on okay. Well, what can I control? Mm, what can I do? What true. can I see? And so there was this concentrated focus on property. I don't think that th- it wasn't lost on me that this whole work from home thing just really took off because a lot of, you know, businesses were sort of an old school mindset saying, you know, we've got to be in, otherwise mm. our people aren't working. Well, there was six weeks there where we proved actually that doesn't need to happen. And so there was this ability to negotiate on how people worked and that flexibility and what that looks like. And so then you go, well, okay, if if perhaps I'm not in the office or I'm not commuting or Mm. I'm looking at more of a lifestyle, what does that look like? Where could it be? What are the other options to me? And if all of that, you know, and and that was sort of our focus over COVID, especially with our love of property, my goodness, Mm. you know, you've Mm. never got a culture that's sort of any more in love with property than us Kiwis. So I think that you sort of put that all in a little melting pot of goodness and you sort of get this massive focus on, no, I'm going to change this, I'm going to do this, and then interest rates at two two or something percent. Plus a whole lot of partners just working from home at lunchtime, making a cup of tea and sitting on (laughs) realestate.co.nz looking going, let's have a look. Let's have a nosy (laughs) We can't look at Rarotonga, so we'll we'll look at property. I like your answer. I really do. Um, Are you still seeing homeowners holding off listing properties while they're watching and seeing what the interest rates are doing? We are, yes, and that was very clear during autumn. So as I had said, to look at around about mm. a typical month, 10, 10 to 12, it's really around 12,000 if I'll be honest with you, around 12,000 homes in any given month during autumn come onto the market, dropping that down to seven and 8,000, that is quite a considerable drop. What I will say is there's always people transacting in the property 
property market. It doesn't matter sort of what's happening. There is just a level of transactions that do happen. So I don't want to make people feel nervous or anything about, you know, if they have had to transact because the reality of it is there are things just change. The world just carries on. Life changes. You know, um, and so whilst we haven't seen what we would see typical numbers, we're still seeing that sort of seven or eight thousand homes come onto the market. But I will say that probably has suppressed the supply. Okay, how do you think we can get homeowners? to then manage their own price expectations. Mm. This is always a great one, right? Because (laughs) I love the idea that, you know, my hairdresser sold my house or, you know, (laughs) this person up the road got this. And and all I will say, there's one thing I know for sure, eight and a half years in, that the property market changes on a dime. And so, hey, look, have a conversation with your hairdresser, absolutely. (laughs) Chat to their neighbours about what they got. But what I will say is get really savvy with your experts and who you're actually talking to because yes your pro- your neighbor might have sold a year ago but the market a year ago was so different than what mm. it is today and you've really got to get clear around who are the experts in this market who knows what will you know what type of property I have got where I, where it is as well is really important and then you know getting clear on the experts that you seek that sort of property advice from because this isn't this is a bit more of a challenging market you know you do have to market your property well you do have to get clear on you know what, what's going to make me stand out from you know my other um, the other properties that are available in our area and you know I, I, I sort of say this all the time speak to a local real estate agent someone mm. who knows not only your area but your type of house and they will be able to give you a really good view on hey look I understand that your hairdresser said this but (laughs) let's just take a look at what this is take a look at the data too I mean there's a plethora of data that's available online now but again just make sure that you're asking the right questions of those experts who are in and out of your market every Every day day. yeah and and you you say exactly what all our guests on this show say regardless of which part of real estate or investment we're talking about talk to the professionals Mm. yeah absolutely for 2024 Mm. okay that crystal ball suddenly needs to get a little bit bigger rub it a little bit harder what's your predictions for 2024 if we jump ahead six months yeah i think that we're going to see a busy year next year i do i think as i said that pent-up demand that pent-up supply um people have not transacted particularly fast this year and this would be about the third cycle that I have seen of when people have kind of gone, oh, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to see what happens. And sure as eggs, typically after that happens, boom, we carry on again. And I do think that there will be a bit of, whilst we have come off the back of a very high market and a high transaction market as well, I do recognise that. Uh, but we've still got a lot of transactions that are sort of sitting in the wings at the moment. And perhaps we might see a little spike before the election. I think the election will sort of stall us for about a month or so. It'll kind of give it three to four weeks. I think it'll be a good run into Christmas. And then I think we'll sort of get back to some normality um, within 2024. It will depend on what the policies are and mm. how quickly they do come into play as well. I mean, I know that there's this conversation around, well, we'll um, should National choose you should national get in will they take away interest deductibility as an example for investors that's all good and well in principle but the logistics of pulling that out and this revenue stream that's quite nicely coming in you know at the moment how will that sort of how will that play out mm. so you know i one of my 
key pieces is think about making decisions for you and your family today with what you yeah. know because we don't know um, A, what policies are going to come out until probably later in the year but B, how long those policies will take to actually action and, and come into fruition so that you can f- see the benefits of them. So in a few weeks time we have a number of politicians coming in we've mm. invited all the parties to have their moment uh, if you were here and you were giving them advice before we went on air, what would be the number one advice you'd give to just across the board regardless yeah. of party knowing what you know and the data you look at what would be your number one advice for a future government oh that's a good question <laughs> i think we need to look at where is it that we're at the moment we know we haven't got enough properties for people in New Zealand. We, mm. we physically don't have enough dwellings and I what I do think has been great is that there has been some incentive around encouraging investors into that market because it has meant we've sort of picked, picked up those new homes but what I would encourage them to think about or if my policy would be you know, thinking around how do we get more homes available to more Kiwis. Yep. Like, what can we put in place to support that? I mean, in theory, Kiwi Build was a fantastic idea. The execution was absolutely appalling. But that, how do we start to think outside of the box? We know when people are in homes and in their typically their own homes, we have a bit of society, we have a bit of mm. you know way in which it's happening. How do we enable that? How do we enable investors to be able to invest and provide homes for those people who who need them? How do we yeah encourage the uh, in construction of dwellings because we know we need more and how do we look at and uh, right across the spectrum how do we look at getting more homes available in the hands of Kiwis and perhaps that's overseas investment I'm mm. not sure the how but I just think that that's the underlying piece that we need to work through I've got a massive white wall in the studio and I've just got this vision of having Vanessa standing there with a whiteboard marker sitting all the politicians down and just ask those questions and go right let's just brainstorm people yes. with someone who actually understands the data. Yeah, there we go. We'll book you out. Love, um, love a good white how, <laughs> how important is it for people to get a good handle? on the sort of data that you provide? I think it's I think it's really important. Now, look, I think data can be sometimes a bit scary. Yeah. I will say that. And so I, again, I would say just start by starting. Just start by looking. I will always say with the property market, if you're not a big data person, just go to some open homes. Mm. That's you collecting data, mm. right? You're walking in, you're asking questions. Yep. Hey, Mr. Real Estate Agent, what do you think this property will sell for? Mm. Have you sold any recently in this area like this? And again, you're talking to the professionals. Yeah. Absolutely mm. you are. You're understanding the market you're looking at buying in. You're understanding a bit, little bit more about what these, you know, what is it that's happening in the area that you're looking in. And, you know, humans are a little bit easier to understand than spreadsheets. So I always, yeah. you know, recommend go and have it. Just go to some open homes. That is collecting data, that's mm. understanding data. And then as you get more au fait with what's sort of happening in the market, what people are asking for their properties and what they're selling for, how many people are coming through open homes, what the shower pressure, that's my number one tip for anyone yep. buying, always check the shower, the water pressure because you don't want to be washing your hair under rubbish water pressure, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and then as you get more understanding around what's happening in the property market, then you can start to look at you know, the likes of New Zealand property reports. You can look at market insights data right down to a suburb level. You know, you can start to understand what the um, occupancy rates are like in your area or what the median um, rental is if you're looking to perhaps 
buy a dwelling to then rent to people. So, mm. you know, I think just start by starting and don't be scared about the data. But I do think it is important because it allows you to ask questions and questions are important for understanding which helps you make good decisions. Mm. Brilliant. All right, thinking now across your whole career, mm. what's been the biggest surprise in the market? Oh, the biggest surprise... I never thought social media was going to be as big as it is. Really? Really? Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I had, I just couldn't even see how that was going to be a business tool and how Mm. powerfully it's come in. And how fast it's changing. I mean, that's probably, we were talking about this last week, that's one of the hardest things. I mean, we've grown up and got our handle on Facebook and think that's fabulous, but there's already now five other things that have surpassed that. I know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I genuinely, you're dead right. The speed is that's probably exactly what has thrown me the most as well as, yeah, you're right. It was like there was a Facebook and I had a page and this is wonderful. And then all of a sudden, oh my goodness, if I don't have a page, mm. what am I doing? And now on every channel, that probably goes back to what I said earlier around, you know, marketing was quite simple come even 10 years ago. It was, you know, there was sort of only a few channels, but now it can be really challenging and quite overwhelming for mm. a lot of people out there. Like, where do I spend my marketing dollars? Like, where do I connect with people? And you've got to actually be quite conscious around your decisions and what you do because, and I say this quite often to my team, Hannah will probably attest to this, that, you know, strategies is much important about what you are doing as what you are not doing. Mm. And, you know, being intentional in that. And that can be quite hard, I think, in this environment because you're like, am I missing out? Am I doing the wrong things? Mm. I like what you said earlier too about tailoring it to your customer. Mm. You know, what are they looking for and, and how do we get that across social media when social media itself is deciding what we can and can't see. I know. You know, that that's the scary, scary bit. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, so we're down to our last couple of minutes and I'm curious, how have you found having to put this data into everyday language? You've done it so well. Oh, how do you do that? Is there is there a trick, a key? Do you sit there and have to take this data and script it out into everyday language? Um, I think probably I'm a little bit customer obsessed. And by customer, I mean client, reader. I just like to think if I was consuming this, how would I want to hear it? How would I want to understand it? What is everyday language for me? And so I try my best, and thank you for your compliment. I appreciate that. Because I do try my best mm. to go, how is this going to be if my 12 year old's going to read it or my mum's going to read it? Are they both going to understand it? Um, oh, she's 13. I'll get in trouble for that. Um, <laughs> Yeah, how am I going to make sure that they will understand it? Because it needs to be accessible to everybody. So, again, they can get themselves informed and make smart decisions for them and their families. Brilliant. So what's on the horizon for realestate.co.nz? Anything exciting in the pipeline other than trying to keep up with this market? Well, that's a lot of it. It's just <laughs> actually keeping up. I think, you know, we, we do have, we, we are very customer focused at Real Estate. So we're actually just conducting a whole bunch of interviews to find out what our consumers really want from us next. Okay. So cool. we're in the middle of that at the moment. So what comes out of that? I'm not entirely sure just yet, but we're definitely talking to consumers, talking to real estate agents and going, how can we help you better transact property? And that will sort of form our roadmap and what happens over the next few months and years. Nice. And how can people track either you down or your reports down? What, where is the best place they should go to find out more about the current market and access your reports? Wonderful. So if you head to realestate.co.nz and in the um, bar up the top it says news, you can click on that. It's also all over our social, so on Facebook um, and on 
LinkedIn. Um, you will find it in the stories on Instagram, but they do disappear quite quickly. So I recommend go go to Facebook or go to LinkedIn. It's probably our two most prominent channels. But yeah, realestate.co.nz and the news tab at the top. It'll have years and years of data. You can scroll through it should you wish. <laughs> Brilliant. Does your 13-year-old have the same passion for data as you? Oh my goodness. She is. She came to me the other day on Zillow, which is the biggest American portal. And she's I like, haven't oh, heard that one. That's new. Oh, she's talking about $18 million mansions. And I was oh just, goodness. yeah, she has loved property since. And I feel like it's not, I say it's, it's not my fault. She got to do stuff. She was into property presses before, you know, she was even walking. Um, but yeah, she's had a passion for it always. And she's going to buy an $18 million mansion in um, California, she tells me, just on the weekend. So there you go. Brilliant. Gotta have goals. Gotta have goals. <laughs> Vanessa, thanks so much for spending some time with us. I know you're a really busy person. Really appreciate it. Yeah, um, have a great rest of the year. And we'll look forward to catching up and seeing where, how much of that crystal ball gazing came true. Absolutely. I'd love to come back. Thank you for everyone who's listening. Absolutely. And remember, you can catch us up on Spotify, Apple and Samsung Podcasts, iHeartRadio, wherever you love to listen to podcasts. If you've got a question or something you'd like us to cover, or perhaps you'd like to come on and chat to the investment market, email us at propertymatters at barfoot.co.nz. Have an awesome week. We will catch you next Monday at school holiday starting next week. Good luck, parents. Talk to you then.